This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Hey everybody, welcome to Shack Talk. This is season three, episode one, and we are excited to be back talking to you guys. You know, we've been doing this for a couple of years now, and uh, we are so excited that uh, we can get going again with another ice year. So Scott Brewer and Kyle Agri of Brewer Agri Outdoors, come on in, grab a bucket and have a seat. We're going to be talking ice fishing, brought to you by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear. You know, Kyle... It's hard to believe that this is the third year we've been doing this already. I mean, we've talked to a lot of great, great guests. Uh, you and I have chatted back and forth a lot, um, and it, it's been a lot of fun. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to be get going on another year, another big year of ice fishing, and it's going to be a good one. You know what, Scott? What what gets me is is I love the opportunity to sit down here and talk ice fishing. It's what we love to do. It's what uh, it's what we love to uh, spend the time when we're not on the ice doing. And uh, as you said, all those guests, all those guests are are they're educating. I, I have learned so much from them about how to be a better angler, about places to go, things to do, and and I hope that all of our listeners um, are. are feeling the same way that uh, that it's it's an interest to them to listen to what these guests have to say and and you know uh we we kind of bring that perspective of we're just as curious we're just as interested in what those guests have to say as our listeners are and uh, we just have the the opportunity and the privilege of being able to sit here and be the ones asking the questions uh and and uh, I'm excited for another year and and you know what? Another year of talking ice fishing, but more importantly, Scott, right around the corner is another year of getting out on the ice and drilling some holes and catching some fish. Yes, it's it's coming very soon. You know, and and you mentioned the education piece of Shack Talk. You know, and and that's a huge part of it. As is entertainment. You know, the the it's fun to be able to talk to these different guests. You know, and from the different facets of the industry that they come from, whether whether they're a retailer or a manufacturer or uh, you know an engineer designing products or the pros that, that are out promoting the products or the guides that are out taking people out every day or just the average guy that, that goes out and he loves to go out and drill some holes and, and take his family out fishing. There are so many uh, different people out there in the ice fishing world and I you know, we're truly blessed to be able to sit here and talk to these different guys and kind of learn, learn from them so that uh, we can help teach all of our listeners. You're exactly right, Scott. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think that's always fun as we start out a new season is to look back and look, maybe look back on last year and, and kind of rekindle some of those memories. What, uh, it, what are some of the highlights for you last season, not just in, in the Shack Talk podcast, but just for your time out on the ice, uh, some of the things that come to your mind as you think back to the 2017-18 ice season? You know, for me, it, it was really nice last year. The first time we got out, I think it was Thanksgiving weekend or right around there, uh, we ended up getting out. It was kind of a kind of a goofy year. We had very early ice early on in some of the smaller lakes. And I think the lake that we were on when we went out, it might have even had a little open water right around the corner in a bay. But it was just so absolutely beautiful getting out on the lake. There was no snow, just glare ice, bunch of people out fishing out on the ice. And, you know, for me, that, that kind of brings back 
from when I was ice fishing as a youth, going out on the lake. You didn't have shacks. You were just sitting out on the lake, and you got to see the other people that were out there and visit with them a little bit. And it really, for the first outing of the year, it really just kind of brought the whole ice fishing experience you know, from our youth and the, the traditions and heritage, it brought all that back. And it was such a fun way to start the ice season. I actually loved it. And, you know, we ended up catching a lot of really nice panfish that day. It was just a perfect day all the way around, you know, and all the way throughout the season, all the way to the end of the season, when we're up on Lake Winnipeg to close the season. For me, I think you did a little bit more fishing after that. I think I closed it up on Lake Winnipeg and uh, caught some beautiful fish out there with a lot of friends, which uh, for our listeners, if you gather anything from our Shack Talk, podcast is we like to go out and fish with friends and and make it uh make it kind of a social experience because i i think it really adds to the whole ice fishing experience is being out there with friends and you know that's kind of a common theme throughout all of our podcasts it, it is scott you're exactly right and uh yeah, I, I go back to how you opened the podcast and it's how you open every podcast since we've started this uh you know um those times Early season last year, those trips up, especially that last one up to Lake Winnipeg, grab a bucket, have a seat, talk ice fishing. Whether we're talking ice fishing here behind the microphone or out on the lake, being able to, to chat with uh, our fellow anglers and uh, and talk it up and, and find out what's working for them and what they're enjoying about the the outing is, uh, boy, it's, it's pretty special. So what's your, uh, what's your favorite uh, favorite memory from last ice season? It's tough, and and just listening to you, Scott. Now all of a sudden, I've got more thoughts going through my head about some of the fun times we had out on the ice, and and the places we've gotten to go, and 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 spend fishing. And you know what? One thing, one thought that it, it doesn't matter where you go, whether it's out in the Dakotas chasing perch, whether it's uh, in, into to Minnesota, Wisconsin chasing walleyes, or uh, Lake Winnipeg and those greenbacks, or or Lake of the Woods, or, or wherever it is. There's just that common theme with ice fishing, with friends, with family, and and enjoying the whole experience. We we live, you know, for our listeners who don't know, we live in Fargo Moorhead. Uh, I'm I'm a Fargo, North Dakota guy. You're a Moorhead, Minnesota guy. Although you could probably uh, shoot a bottle rocket between our homes. Oh, yeah. Um, there's just happens to be the Red River running between it. But we have long winters here. We have long winters, and uh, you talk about getting out in uh, November. Thanksgiving weekend as our first ice outing and and yet late late March wrapping it up in Lake Winnipeg and and last year I was able to get out a couple times in April as well um ice fishing is that thing that we can look forward to that we can go on out that we can exercise some of those social fun things and and those fun memories and trying to narrow it down to a few specific things Scott honestly um, what comes to my mind last year is is a lot of learning about some new things that I wasn't very skilled or very good at before, and one of them is panfish. Started with that Oct- or this October, that November outing, catching panfish, um, and it continued into uh, late January, early February when we went on our, our church trip, and I was fortunate. Um, I'm not going to attribute any skill to it. I was fortunate <laughs> enough to catch a 12 and an eighth inch bluegill um, through the ice. I mean, that is a monster fish. And, and I, just that experience brought a lot to my mind that I've been able to think about and, and process. And then late in the season, those April outings, uh, a friend introduced me to fishing tulabies. 
And that opened a whole brand new door too of of another aspect of the sport I never knew about. And what I was able to learn and experience with that was pretty incredible. And and don't forget uh, heading out to Wisconsin to a walk-in lake and catching all those nine nine to ten inch bluegills. Oh. And uh, there's so many experiences that that we get to enjoy every year. And one of the things that after listening to some of our podcasts and and uh, listening to some of our guests, and it's part of the reason why our podcasts are set up the way they are with a, a tactic segment and a location segment is. There are so many different things out there in the ice fishing world. Uh, whether you're going out to Wisconsin to walk in lakes and trying to catch those 10 inch bluegills, or if you're going out to North Dakota somewhere to go out and catch some big walleyes on Devil's Lake, or, or going out to Colorado to fish up in the mountains. You know, there's so many different options out there and experiences that um, we want to help all of our listeners try and try and figure out what some of those items might be, what some of their maybe bucket list items might be. You know, we've been experiencing some of these the last few years and, and it's awesome. So I highly recommend that if if you wanna branch out a little bit from your average going out to your normal lake or what, however you, you like to ice fish, branch out a little bit, experience some new things, plan a trip here and there. I guarantee you, you're not gonna be disappointed. Not at all. And that is uh, what, what you said, Scott, is so true. What what our goal is with this podcast is to share and open some of those doors with our listeners to be able to experience some of those things. And uh, and our guests with their expertise, with their knowledge and experience are, are really the key to opening that door. Yep, it sure is. So uh, if people want to find out more about us, we, we have, uh, we, we do a lot on social media and we have an, uh, a uh, website, breweragreoutdoors.com. Uh, you can also find us, Brewer Doors, on social media, Facebook. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, or you want to ask us anything, uh, you could reach out to either of those two avenues and get a hold of us. Um, and, and not even a, not even just questions, Scott, but maybe suggestions. Yep. Maybe suggestions. There may be some destinations. There may be some specific tips or tactics that our listeners are are hoping to hear more about. We're we're open to all those suggestions. We certainly are. We'd love 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 hearing from our listeners. Um, stick around because we're going to have a great first episode of season three. We're going to have Anthony Kleinwalker uh, for the tip and tactics segment, and that is going to be all about ice safety. We figured that's probably a very a very pertinent uh, topic this time of the year. Um, we're going to have Joe Finneman. Joe is a local retailer expert. He's been uh, he's worked on the floor of retail establishments for a very long time. He's been in uh, buying positions. He, he's pretty much done it all. So we're going to chat with him a little bit on our location destination segment about sporting goods retailers because, uh, you know, honestly, if you're going to go out on the ice, uh, stopping at your sporting goods retailer is probably going to be your first destination. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about why that might be. So uh, stick around and we will be right back with some more Shack Talk. Introducing an entirely new class of ice augers, the gas-powered F1 and propane-powered P1 rocket augers from Eskimo. These ultra-lightweight augers run fast, spin fast, and cut fast, thanks to their performance-tuned engines, high-speed transmissions, and all-new cast bottoms. All Eskimo power augers feature an industry-leading five-year warranty. Get assurance. Get reliability. Get Eskimo. Learn more at GetEskimo.com. Hey, everybody. 
Welcome back to Shack Talk. We are on segment two. This is our tip and tactics segment. Segment three will be a destination segment. If you remember all of that from uh, the first two seasons, you know, it is so great being here on season three, our first tip and tactics segment of the year. And we have with us in studio, Mr. Anthony Kleinwalker. Anthony is an Eskimo pro staffer. He is a pro staffer for Fish Addictions TV. Um, he's very, very active and very knowledgeable, which is why we brought him in on this segment, because this is possibly one of the most important segments that we're going to talk about all year, which is ice safety. I mean, right now, it is so important that People know what they're doing because we only have so many ice anglers out there. We don't want to lose any. We want to grow that field instead of have it shrink on us. So welcome to Shack Talk, Anthony. Nice to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And as you mentioned, you know, in talking with lots of people, it is one of the most important things to think about is ice safety. When talking to people about new ice anglers and getting people outdoors and on the ice is just giving them the information so that they know how important it is to be safe on the ice. You know, and ice, no ice is safe ice, you know, and that's that's something that it's easy to remember and you really should remember it from the very first time those lakes lock up all the way through the very end of the season. Just because you see ice out there doesn't mean it's safe ice. Yeah, you know, and I guess my, my thought as we're sitting here talking is the fact that uh, this is an ice fishing podcast, but yet so many anglers, so many ice anglers out there are our outdoor enthusiasts in general. And and this time of the year, when we start to see early ice, a lot of us are thinking of when can we get out and drill a hole. But some people are, are tracking deer. They're chasing pheasants, maybe doing some late season waterfowl hunting in certain areas. And and this information, it it applies across the board. It is, it's important to all of us, no matter what the reason that we venture onto that, that ice is. Yeah, you bring up a great point, especially, you know, when you don't think about a lake having a lot of vegetation like you would like a cattail slough or different things like that. It it plays a big part into knowing where the ice forms the easiest and the most um, most stable ice. You know, if there's weeds or emergent vegetation, oftentimes that can be a lot weaker ice because that holds the heat, you know, makes the ice a little bit weaker in those places. You know, and that I, I was thinking about an experience I had when I was duck hunting, and it was early ice. This the sloughs and stuff had frozen up, and and there was a good two three inches of ice on on that body of water that I was hunting that particular day. And this is probably 10, 15 years ago. But um, exactly what you said, we were walking through an area full of bulrushes and cattails, and the sun had come out. It was a little later in the day. Um, those plants, that vegetation. It absorbed that sunshine and it weakened that ice. I fell through, one leg went through, and I kind of caught myself and had to to belly crawl off of it to safety. But it was a real eye opener. And and to your point about having the knowledge of how that ice forms and how it changes is pretty important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't think about it a lot, even what's under the water. You know, if you have a shallow area that's got a lot of rocks or something that's going to absorb that sunlight, that can pay a, play a big factor into how that ice forms and whether it's safe in one area of the lake and not in another. So we're going to talk, uh, you know, about some of the things that every angler should have as far as equipment when you when you first go out, ice-safe equipment. But as we've already talked about, you make a very good point that it's not just ice anglers. If you're out doing some muzzleload deer hunting late season or something, you might want to have some of this stuff along in case you do have to cross a body of water that's frozen over just to be safe instead of 
just imagine or thinking that well it's it's a small little pond that's going to be froze over you know so it's good to have this stuff ready whether you're going ice fishing or if you're doing some late late season hunting so what, what are some of the things that the first things that you need to make sure you throw in your truck if you're going to be safe on the ice well, the first thing, and before you even throw it in the truck, is give a buddy a call and take somebody with you. I think that's probably the most important when checking new ice is, you know, doing the buddy system. You have somebody there to help you should you get into trouble, um, and you're able to just be that much more precautionary having some of those safety tools, um, which brings us into our next point, you know, having a rope, having something to throw to somebody. I mean, that can go a long ways in making a bad situation that much more easy, you know, knowing that you're that much more safe going into it. And have that all that stuff accessible. You know, we all, when we set up our, our gear, we want to make sure that our rods are where we want them and our tackle box is where we want them so that they're easy to get to when we move from spot to spot. But it's really important to have this gear, that rope. Don't have it packed away somewhere where it's going to take you five minutes to dig it out. You know, have it readily accessible so that uh, if you do happen to need it hopefully you never do but if you do you can get to it quickly because time is so important yeah exactly and you know having the buddy system you know the first guy he's probably going to be the guy going out and checking the ice and if you're smart maybe you'll have the bigger guy go first so that you know <laughs> you know the ice is a little safer but if you don't you Kyle know, will flip a coin the first guy should always have a, a chisel or a spud bar you know checking that ice and and knowing how how thick the ice is for how strong of a throw you can throw is kind of important knowing you know if you throw it one time and it doesn't break through how much is that and if you throw it twice in the same spot and if it breaks through do you have two or three inches so you know testing the ice and kind of knowing some of those thicknesses kind of helps reassure you to know how thick the ice is and then the guy behind you having some of that safety equipment the rope or a flotation device something to throw to you and then each guy should have you know some essential um, equipment whether that's the ice cleats um, usually new ice is pretty slippery um, having the ice picks should you fall through to be able to pull yourself out um, a flotation suit and a lot of the new ice suits have flotation assist in them or even a life jacket um, I personally like to use a inflatable life jacket it's it's not very bulky it's easy to just throw on and throw back into your shack once you get out and just gives you that extra peace of mind uh, should something uh, should something happen yeah we've always or at least for the last few years we've worn the the floatable snowsuits, ice suits, and they work really well. You really don't know that you have that flotation assist because it doesn't change the qualities of the of the gear at all. So they're they're very handy too. There's a lot of different brands of those out there now. So how do you recommend that you check into that if you haven't uh, if you haven't purchased one of those yet? Um, besides taking a buddy with you, um, it's pretty important that you let people know where you're going and kind of figure it out ahead of time as to what lakes you might go to you might when you leave the house you might tell your significant other yep i'm going to this lake well then you go to that lake then you go to another lake and you go to another lake and they don't know where you're at anymore so at least maybe try and plan out your day before you go yeah definitely and i think not even just early ice but just in general that's a good plan to have i mean as we talked about no ice is safe ice just letting somebody know where you're going um, when it comes to ice fishing you know having that safety plan you never know when the weather could come up and things could get sketchy out there and, and just letting somebody know where you're at so that if something you know does happen or you know somebody's looking for you I really like, and, and I've used it a couple of times actually while I've been ice fishing, and that is uh, being able to share your location on a, on a smartphone. 
Right, and being able to share that location for somebody if, uh, you know, for instance, we're out on, on Lake Winnipeg and it's this big expanse of ice and, uh, and someone gets lost. Well, that technology, you share your location, all of a sudden they can see where you're at and find their way back. So there's, there's certainly some applications there as well when you talk about planning your trip and, and letting people know where you're at. Well, yeah, and how easy it is now to use the mapping features. I mean, even when you're navigating out on the ice, you can avoid some obstacles or some bad ice and being able to to mark some of those things that, you know, you can communicate with people that you're fishing with or spending time with. Um, Using that technology to your advantage just helps you be that much more uh, safe out on the ice. Yeah, very much so. So speaking of technology, we all rely on our cell phones heavily, too much some days, and I think a lot of anglers might think, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go fishing. I don't need to tell anybody where I'm going um, because I got my cell phone. I can call. People can call me. But if you break through the ice and you have your cell phone with you, it's not going to do you any good. Yeah, you better hope that it's uh, one of the new water-resistant phones or, you know, I've even gone as far as to put it in a Ziploc or, you know, if you're really worried about it, you know, keep it in the vehicle. You know that it's safe there. Um, Once the ice is safe, you can always walk back and get it. Um, You're probably not going to take a lot of stuff with you when you're checking the ice. You're going to have to go back and get your, your fishing rods and your equipment anyway. So, you know, make that quick decision to just leave the phone in the vehicle. You know it's there should something happen and you can get back to your vehicle and make a phone call. Yeah, and, and, and I think the point is this: don't necessarily just fall back on that, that I have my phone so everything will be okay, because that's not necessarily the case. The other thing is phones are battery operated. Once they're outside, if you don't have it on the inside jacket pocket, jacket pocket, um, that battery is not going to last very long because a lot of those batteries do not like cold weather. So um, you, you can have issues there too. All right, uh, Anthony, any other tips that you want to talk about? You know, earlier you had mentioned that this isn't just first ice. Uh, We know that you need to be careful all season, but you especially need to be careful late season because you said you do a lot of late season fishing. Um, Is it all the same precautions? You probably don't really need to check ice when you're out there late season because you got couple feet of not very good ice. Yeah, sometimes it depends. I mean, if you're going to a lake, you might have um, a tip that I could give you would be, you know, a north facing or the north shore of a lake is going to get the the sunlight, whereas a south facing um, portion of the lake isn't going to be. It's going to be shaded from any trees. So usually that ice is a little bit safer uh, the later the season you get. Um, so that just knowing that you're maybe going to change your access points to a lake on how you're getting on and off the ice. Um, and then that shoreline ice, that's going to deteriorate the, the quickest. So having a few tools for getting on and off the ice, you know, some planking or some other device to get on and off the ice is really important. Anthony, one of the, the questions I think that is uh, important to know is what are the, what are the determining factors in late ice? to tell us whether that ice is safe to be traveling on or not. Like uh, early ice, we can hit it a couple times at the spud bar. Is that the same thing we need to be doing on, on late ice or, or what should we be looking for? Yeah, so the late ice, it'll it'll go through a few different stages. You know, it's going to be really solid ice um, for a good portion of time until the snow and everything melts. Um, then the ice typically lifts. Um, all the water goes through the ice, and the, the ice sheet lifts, and then you'll notice that it gets a little bit lighter. Um, it starts to honeycomb. That ice is going to be safe for a little bit of time until that ice deteriorates. But then once that ice again starts to get black and starts to get heated up from the sun, that's when the ice starts to get really bad and you need to be really careful. So in a lot of that, that honeycombing, you can tell when you're drilling your hole because, uh, you know, the ice will just feel softer than normal. 
And a lot of the times when you when you go to flush your hole, you, you pull up all that water out of the hole. It's not going to run back into the hole. The ice actually absorbs it. It all just soaks right back into the ice, you know. So that's a good indication that uh, your time is limited. Yeah, when you can get out there and you got a set of ice cleats on and you can start kicking through the ice, you know it's getting pretty soft. I mean, there's going to be a good portion in the middle, but once that ice starts to go, it usually goes pretty quick when we get into those warm temps. Anthony, you mentioned ice cleats. So we've talked about early ice. We've talked about late ice. Really, there's a few things that apply all season long, and ice cleats are one of them. Anytime you're on glare ice, it's easy to fall. It's easy to get injured. Um, Ice ice cleats are a great uh, piece of of equipment to have no matter what time of year it is. Um, But when we're talking ice safety mid-season, what are what are a few of the things that are uh, are dangers or things we not need to be aware of as we travel on the ice? So I think the biggest thing when it gets super cold out is you know just making sure that you have enough warm clothing, packing extra clothes, making sure that if something does happen, you've got a backup, you got an extra set of gloves, extra set of hat, um, extra set of socks in the you know in your bag or in your vehicle. You know I like to keep an extra set of clothes in the vehicle. Should you you know something happen, at least you can get back to that. Um, you know that you're going to stay warm. So okay, let's circle back. Uh, one, one more question here. Or one more discussion. Let's circle back to first ice. Um, it's important that all anglers know when lakes get locked up or not, and if they are locked up. Because I think you know, last year was a great, great example. We had a lot of cold weather in early November, which so it got to be a lot of shoreline ice, and then it got warm here in Minnesota anyway, it got warm for a period of a couple of weeks and that shoreline ice just kind of sat there. There was two or three inches of shoreline, four, four inches of shoreline ice. And there was a lot of open water in the middle of the lakes yet. And then when it did get cold right after that, the shoreline had good six, seven inches, but the whole center of the lake only had like one or two inches. So it's important, like you said, use that spud bar all the way out. And if you can know, figure out exactly when that lake got completely froze over um, that could help alleviate a lot of problems yeah definitely i mean we're in an age of social media and technology you know pay attention to what's going on there's usually somebody that has a local local knowledge if you're not you know familiar with the lake you can ask them questions bait shops are usually up to date on some of those conditions Um, and like you said just being safe all the way out and all the way back um, will help alleviate some of that and then monitoring like you said monitoring the weather knowing if it's going to be you know windy or rainy you know that's going to deteriorate the ice and make it a lot more unstable or if it's going to be sunny and and warm out that's going to also create issues so just making sure that you're aware of all those factors can uh, play a big part in being safe out on the ice and the wind can wind can really play uh, big issues too if the lakes aren't completely locked up you usually hear about it early season and late season on big lakes whether it's red lake or lake of the woods where um, there'll be a bunch of open water and then if you get a big south wind and you put in on the south shore and it pulls away and you can no longer uh, get back or if one of the pressure ridges open up and that six inch pressure ridge you cross to get over now it's 20 feet long um, so those are all things you need to be careful of and what like you said watch the wind because without the wind none of that's going to happen 
Yeah, it's just paying attention to all the the outside factors, just making sure that you're making a smart decision decision when you're going out there. And you know, everybody wants to catch those first fish through the ice, but you know, no no fish is worth risking your life for. So just make sure to take those precautions, and uh, everybody will have a safe and successful season. Exactly, and that's what we're all hoping for: is that everybody has a safe and successful season. Thank you very much, Anthony. Uh, we appreciate you coming on Check Doc. Thank you very much for having me. All right. uh, We will be back with the third segment of Shack Talk. For the past half decade, ION has been the best-selling and highest-rated electric auger on the ice. It was also the first high-performance ice auger powered by lithium-ion technology. No other electric ice auger shreds faster, cuts smoother, or drills through more ice on a single charge. Whether re-drilling old frozen holes in your shack or running and gunning across the lake, ION is the perfect auger for you. Trust the proven performance of ION and make the switch to electric this ice fishing season. Visit us at ioniceaugers.com. Welcome back to this segment of Shack Talk. Uh, You know, it's so exciting to be back here uh, behind the microphone talking about ice fishing for the third season. And and, and as we look at early season, uh, even almost pre-season before uh, we find that first fishable ice, there's so much excitement. There's so much anticipation of what's going to happen. And last year, our opening episode... We, uh, we looked at our location and destination segment and we said, uh, let's talk about ice shows. They're a big part of the industry. And, and, you know, following that same kind of logic, this year what we wanted to do for our very first location and destination is to talk about our favorite sporting goods retailer because uh, any of us who are ice fishing enthusiasts have spent a considerable amount of time browsing the shelves, talking to our experts at that retailer and and being taking all the steps that are necessary to be prepared for that season before first ice is ever here. And so I think that uh, that that's a great place to start our season off. and and we have a fantastic guest as we look at an expert in talking about sporting good retailers their side of the industry and giving us a perspective on on how they see that whole cycle of that season coming and and being here and and wrapping up we have joe finneman and joe has uh he has spent his uh, basically his entire professional career working uh on the floor and and in a, a buyer position uh for shields which is uh, certainly a big retailer and uh we're, we're really really well uh happy to welcome him to the podcast uh joe welcome welcome to shack talk great to be here kyle it's it is so much fun it's so much fun talking and and i just know that uh with what you've seen over the years in in your perspective on the industry it's going to shed a lot of light on things that that i may not be aware of and that our listeners may not be aware of and 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 you know um what we're what we're talking about is everybody has that retailer whether it be the, the bait store, the bait and tackle store down on the corner, right on, on the way to the lake, whether it be, uh, you know, a, a farm and fleet store, whether it be a big retailer where, where you kind of come from, um, those retailers are important. They're an important part of our industry and a part of the sport. Abs- so. Absolutely, they are. They're a big part of the sport. They help grow it. They help educate people. And, you know, it is part of the reason why ice fishing is where it's at today. It definitely is. And it's not just about walking in, grabbing something off the shelf and leaving. And that's, that's kind of what we want to talk about today is that whole experience. And for maybe a good place to start, Joe, is is to just 
take us through. I, I'm interested in this. What uh, what is what does the entire calendar look like? If you were to isolate the ice fishing portion of the industry, what does that calendar look like from your perspective from start to finish? Yeah, it really, uh, you know, just from my experience, you know, doing it for many years now, uh, it really doesn't quit. Uh, You know, we're working anywhere from 12, 18 months, sometimes two years in advance of a season um, just to get creative and, and build products that are you know, maybe an exclusive, uh, special opportunity, uh, you know, so much of this stuff now is, is coming overseas and, you know, that plays a whole nother role into the, you know, getting product and getting it here. It, it you know, it's, can be a double-edged sword. Um, you know, it's, uh, one of those things where you're limited to the inventory that's coming in and, uh, you know, when it's gone, it's gone, you know, and I'm sure, over the years, as the sport has grown and we're realizing our potential, um, other retailers and in general have felt that squeeze, uh, but it really doesn't quit uh, at all. There's almost it's, a science to it, isn't it, Joe? As you talk about predicting and, and ordering and the, the, the science that comes before a consumer ever sees a product on the shelf. Absolutely. It's... Uh, it's one of those things where you're working with uh, multiple buyers and you're forecasting product. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we don't. Um, we definitely work to, to have the product that, that customers are ultimately going to come in looking for. And usually, usually the brand guys have a pretty good idea of what's going to be hot. And we try to anniversary products and absolutely. You know, and it's got to be kind of tough to multitask, uh, you know, for you guys at the retail level, because right now the the consumer's brain is current products, you know, getting out on the ice and and you have an entire floor full of current products, which which you're trying to educate uh, the customers on and, and get the right product in their hands. But also the manufacturers are sending their reps out right now and over for the next month or two with all of next year's products already. So you guys are planning for the entire next year season, but this year is just kind of getting started. Yeah, we're 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 booking uh, ice, or, uh, summer products today, um, as I would imagine most are, um, to come in the spring while we're still trying to be relevant for ice. Um, and, you know, come the end of next, this ice season, we're going to be, you know, looking at the new stuff for the following season. It just, it's a vicious cycle that just does not stop. Okay, Joe. So if we're look if we're looking at at one year and and again just kind of drilling down and isolating that the products that are on the shelf right now that uh, that our ice enthusiasts are out there um you know they're already buying they're already purchasing when were the buying decisions made for that? When was that inventory ordered? Um most of that stuff is ordered 6 to 9 months where we're actually giving hard POs. You know, it's uh you know, we're that far ahead, you know, and the planning process starts well before that, you know. So while we're selling products today, we're already thinking a year or two down the road. So, and and, and this throws another thing into into perspective too, because you have, you have many different companies, many different manufacturers in the industry. And those, each of those companies, they want, they're working very hard to find the next great product, but they don't necessarily want to share that with the world until they can, you know, make a big deal of it and reveal it, right? And and so that puts you as a, as a retailer kind of in the middle. So you get a few sneak peeks, but maybe you don't know 100% what's coming. There are several 
NDAs signed throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. And so for our listeners, the NDA, that non-disclosure agreement, where you have to sign that says, I'm going to see something today that, that I can't tell anybody about. Absolutely, yeah. All That's pretty cool. It is cool. <laughs> so it's a perk to one of the things I do in my job today. Yeah, absolutely. Working in the industry, and yeah. so, and so that maybe leads us into some of the next things, which are, I mean, obviously, if you have an NDA, you have a piece of paper that says that's a, that's a legally binding document. But more importantly than that, at least I know that Scott and I have have come to learn is is the relationships with people in the industry, and and having those connections and making, um, you know, the ability to work together with uh, a manufacturer and you as a retailer to be able to put the best combination of product on the shelf at the at the right time. Absolutely. We have, you know, the relationship is a huge part of the business. Um, you know, we've built them over the years uh, and it goes not only from the from the retailer vendor side, but it also goes to the retailer uh, consumer and customer side. Uh, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at today without the input and the knowledge of our customers. You know, we literally take what the customers are asking for. We are the middleman. We relay that to the vendors um, and together, hopefully we can keep spitting out products year after year that people are going to come in asking for and looking for and that they are expecting to see. No kidding. No kidding. That's uh, that's the name of the game. And, and when that happens, everybody wins, right? Everybody from uh, the ice angler, you know, who's listening here to uh, to this podcast and, and, and their perspective is, am I going to get the product I want to be able to go out and catch those fish? And, and of course, the retailer, you're, you're in business to, to make money. And, and that goes across that part of the industry. And, and same thing with the manufacturers. So you've got a lot of pieces working together. And, uh, and you know, we're fortunate as enthusiasts of ice fishing because I think industry-wide, there's, there's some really great collaboration that happens. Absolutely. You know, we spend several days, weeks on the ice ourselves, um, you know, between the collaboration on the floor, working with customers, experiences of ourselves, and just the overall needs. Yeah, it, it comes together in one nice piece at the, at the end of the year for sure. So let's let's talk to you a little bit about what um, what that customer experience is. Whether they're walking in again to their bait store, store or a multi-purpose store or a, or a specific sporting goods store, um, as a customer, they're interested certainly in finding the gear that they want to, to to use, that they want to purchase. They want to see current products. They want to see new products. Um, what what do you see as the important piece from a retailer's perspective on what you bring? To that customer experience. Yeah. So, you know, whether you're going on a pond, local pond by your hometown, or you're going on a destination trip, um, we really strive, uh, the retailers, to uh, have the expertise and the knowledge that the customer is looking for. You know, uh, whether that's the hot lure that's happening, whether that's a hot bite that's happening, um, something new that's going to be on the shelf that's been flying out of there. You know, it's, it's uh, something that Customers come to expect, you know, we're, we live and breathe it every day. Um, the other side of that is going to be the service, you know, helping them find the gear that they want to use um, or are going to need to make their next experience on the ice that much better. You know, you talk about the knowledge, and and that's one of the things that a retailer can really, really uh, um really provide for the angler is uh, you know anglers can get products a lot of different ways but to get the knowledge that goes along with that um, at the same time as the purchase it, it's not that easy to get that and I know you guys go to great lengths as do a lot of retailers to make sure 
um, that all of the employees that are working in those departments are very knowledgeable. What are some of the ways that you you guys do, some of the hoops that you guys jump through to make sure that all of your associates are knowledgeable on the products? Yeah, we have, uh, you know, just in our industry, we have uh, scheduled product knowledge meetings where we're inviting key uh, factory people in, uh, reps, pro staffers to help educate our team in the stores um, to help them sell better and be more knowledgeable about the product and provide the right information. Um, we also have uh, several programs that allow our employees to to take out the product and use it. You know, there's really no limitations on on what they can and can't take. You know, from it could be as simple as trying out a new uh, line and a rod and reel to you know taking out the the latest and greatest in electronics and and giving it a whirl on the ice. You know, where you wouldn't have that opportunity if you if you weren't in that that position. So that gives them the base to to build on their ice knowledge and and really take the service and the experience and knowledge to the next level. And that's important because uh, training is great in and of itself and and hands-on use is important and great, but you put those two together and you train somebody and then they can take that product out and use it and test those features and try it out themselves and see what it really does. Um, it, It allows them to give that customer with questions all the feedback and all, all the, the information. answers they hopefully need, and uh, it ultimately comes down to be a win-win not only for the retailer, um, but for the consumer, the customer that's going out ice fishing, and the and the vendor, the brand. Joe, I know that support after the sale is important as well because uh, you know very very um, rarely do I go in and and make a purchase and not come back for follow up. You know. Uh, either either needing complimentary products to go with it or whatever it might be. You know, it's something to add on to it or have questions after I've used it even. I may not think of some of those questions before I actually have it out myself as a customer. And uh, and that after the, after the sales support is pretty huge too. And, and I think that's important for folks to know is develop their relationships with your retailer, whoever that is. Develop that that relationship and that connection because they're an incredible source of assistance, help, support, uh, information to make all of us a better angler. Absolutely. We, you know, we have contacts within the industry that, you know, we can get answers pretty darn quick on. Um, you know, we have most of the stuff on hand. Uh, you know, we can make, you know, exceptions to anything and, and get you back on the ice quick. You know, if you do have a problem or, you know, need a part or any of that stuff, whether it's getting it expedited or, you know, taking care of a customer in the store um, there's lots of avenues we have. What What's your advice if uh, someone, you know, is in is in a store? They're they're buying some product. They go out on the ice. They're using it. Something doesn't work right. Something isn't quite what they thought it would. What you know, should should us as um, end users, is our best bet to go back to you as a retailer, or is our best bet to go right to the manufacturer? I would always start with the retailer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, most times, you know. You bought a product, you're using it for that season, you want to get back out on the ice and, and get fishing right away again. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't do any good for anybody to, to be sitting waiting or on hold or trying to get a hold of somebody. Like I said, a lot of times we have uh, people we can call within our field and get questions answered quick. So, yeah. And a lot of times you're leaving the store 
being taken care of. So, And that's, again, coming back to that relationship, that relationship yeah. of knowing that's a customer that was in my doors uh, a week ago, and I'm going to take care of them and, and make sure they get what they need. And, and certainly the manufacturing um, companies are going to back that up. And, and they do a wonderful job from what I've seen in the industry of, of backing up product and being there to support it. But, but uh, for that first initial, hey, I need to go back and get this taken care of, it's always... So it's good to rely on that uh, retailer. Absolutely, we're getting taken care of on the on the back end of that deal, and uh, you know, it's nobody's out anything. Ultimately, we want you to be out on the ice fishing. That's the goal for all of us, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's our end goal. Hey, one one more thing, Joe, I wanted to talk about, and that is this is something that's that's really intrigued me. And and you've got all these manufacturers in the ice fishing industry, and they all have a product line. And, and I mean, you, you look at those product lines and, and if I walk into a store and depending what kind of store it is, um, but there may be anywhere from, you know, a small sampling of that product line to maybe 80, 90% of that product line, what goes into making the decisions as far as what's kept on the shelf. And then what's the perspective, because not all anglers have the same interest. So if we have someone who is really hardcore and they want a special item just for their kind of fishing, you know, doing a special order. What's, what, how does the industry view that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a primitive science. You know, we look at all of our categories and, uh, you know, all the vendors that offer items in those categories and, you know, as a team, you know, it's not just one person making the decisions, but as a team, we, we review all of those and, you know, obviously we, we line it up and, uh, look at, you know, what are we expected to have on the shelf, right? Yep. And so those go-to items, and it might be a anniversary item that's been out, you know, for years. Um, it might be a new item that we're just trying, um, you know, and you have that core group of items that you're just expected to have, right? Exactly. Um, then you've got the fringe stuff that, that kind of makes you that specialty shop, you know, the stuff that the diehards that are living and breathing this stuff every day, you know, they come in and, and they expect that specialty retailer to have it, right? And then you've got another set of fringe items, right? Just that real kind of maybe off the wall stuff that doesn't fit everybody. It's the five or 10%, you know, 20% in some cases that um, is certainly out there and available. Um, but, you know, just given the space that retailers have today, it's uh, not going to be on the sh- stocked on the shelf 24 seven. So. Well, and that's important to remember. I think for all of us as consumers, as end users of the product, we walk into a store and we think they should have exactly what I want. And in a perfect world, that would be great. But you are you are serving the the once a year ice angler. You're serving the weekend ice angler, and you're serving the hardcore ice angler, and everybody in between. And so you have to make decisions about what products are on the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. We only have so much space. And uh, like I said, all that stuff we can get. Um, some of it's readily available, uh, but, uh, you know, certainly, certainly we try to keep the bread and the butter, you know, on the shelf. You know, and uh, an interesting little tip for our customers is, uh, you know, like you said, you, you you put on the shelf what the customer wants. And, and a lot of times that could be regional, you know, where certain, certain, or certain uh, sporting goods stores, they, they serve their area, and they're going to put in there whatever the customers in that area want. So if you travel to a new area and you walk into a sporting goods store and they don't have what you want, that's probably a good thing. You want to learn to see what they have on their shelves because that's the stuff that everybody in that area is using, and that's the stuff that's working. 
Absolutely. You know, that, and that is unique to a lot of the different retailers you're going to go to is uh, the selection varies by market, by store. You know, not any one of our stores is a cookie cutter to the next, which is good. You know, like Scotty said is, you know, you're getting the stuff that's, that's working in that market. So, yep. and we don't have any limitations to that as far as, you know, what they can and can't. It's just that core stuff is going to be there. And then that fringe stuff is going to be the the stuff you can find that's working in that market. Yep, exactly. And that, that goes all the way down to, uh, you know, your, your local bait store up on Lake of the Woods or, or Mille Lacs or something that's just serving that population for that lake. And and uh, that's just a great point to, to keep in mind and a great tip, Scott, on, on anglers on how we can kind of clue in on some of those things to figure out where our focus should be. Yeah. Joe, it's uh, it's been a pleasure having you on Chack Talk. I really appreciate all of your expertise, your experience. I know that uh, that you've spent many years um, building building that up and and learning and and being a, a really important part of the industry. So thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Yeah, it's been great. Anytime. Fantastic, folks. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, we want to thank Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear. Get Eskimo.com for their, uh, their sponsorship of Shack Talk. Follow Eskimo on Facebook and Instagram. And you know what? We love hearing from our listeners. If you're a Shack Talk follower, send us a message. You can send us that message on social media at Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear on, as I said, Facebook and Instagram, or send it directly to Scott and I at Brewer Agri Outdoors on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can also follow us on YouTube or on our website, BrewerAgriOutdoors.com. Until next time, folks, be safe out there and uh, can't wait to hear when you've gotten out and had a chance to go fishing.